I'm Randy. And I'm Claire. And you're listening to Killer Vibes, a true crime podcast. Okay, so since the Selena episode was so short, because mm-hmm. it was just a very open and closed kind of case, mm-hmm. I want to take the opportunity to do a case that I've wanted to do for a really long time, but that is so troubling and disturbing that I can't imagine doing it in detail. But there's one part of it that is so freaking badass that I like <laughs> makes me want to tell the whole story. Uh-huh. So since I had a short two-part episode, I'm going to take one part to do this story, and I'm mostly going to focus on the cool badass part. Excellent. I'm all about the cool badass parts. <laughs> okay, cool. Let's do it. <laughs> so before I do this preface, I don't want it to seem like I don't think the other victims are important because they are. I just don't want to regurgitate all these really disturbing, disgusting facts to you because this seriously is like the most like this case out of any case makes me like, you know, which is just that's a rare thing. Yeah, I'm I'm like a sociopath. (laughs) I have no feelings. I'm like very desensitized to a lot of things. And so I usually don't get grossed out. But this one is just. Okay, so anyways, whatever. Uh, Well, let's talk about it. Let's do it. (laughs) Okay, so these are the Morehouse murders. It is the murders um, committed by serial killer couple David and Catherine Burney. Love a good serial killer couple. I know, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) And they were active in Perth, which is a, um, I don't know what they call it. I don't know if they call it a state. But it's an area in Western Australia. <laughs> Ooh, international case. Yes. I don't know what they call those things there. States, Are they like regions? Regions. If you're Australian, <laughs> let us know. We should have asked. We are. I was asking our Australian friend about this earlier. Yes. Okay. Shout out to Lauren. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, real quick about Catherine and David. So, they both come from super awful families and those are some of the details that I like don't even want to share let me just say like abuse sexual abuse incest like all that all that gross stuff that kind of made them why they're this way like yeah you know like moment of sympathy for them even though they're just awful people like they kind of I mean how could they avoid being awful people yeah it sounds like terrible situations they grew up in exactly like I'm kind of relieved that that happened because like what they do is so bad that I'm like you better have a reason for you better have an excuse for your gross behavior or else I'm not gonna have any sort of sympathy for you yes but they do so it's fine so it's cool I mean it's not fine but like at least there's an explanation exactly (laughs) so they actually started dating when they were teenagers and were like a Bonnie and Clyde kind of thing like committed a bunch of crimes like went to jail and it was like kind of hot to them like it like kind of built (laughs) bonded them right because they both come from these like broken families and then they like get together as teenagers and are like ooh, let's commit crimes because we're misunderstood and like love each other and ooh, let's commit crimes because we're misunderstood they're not the first the that catch thought of, that. of a generation yes no. i think that goes through a lot of people's heads yes. actually oh my god i love that so it's actually kind of like cute for a second it's a little i mean like people romanticize the bonnie and clyde idealism so i could totally get behind the romantic aspect of it yeah sort of like aw, cute little couple criminals right going to prison together (laughs) wow 
So our sad feelings and our cute feelings for them are over right now. They're ending because I'm about to tell you some nasty, gross stuff. Great. And I'm totally ready to be over the cute feelings. Let's do it. Okay. So they go on a four-week killing spree. Yikes. In November and October. I don't know why I said November 1st. In October <laughs> and November of 1986. And they this is what they do. So they drive around in their car and essentially pick up women who are walking, kind of not necessarily hitchhiking, but like, Just like hey, you need a ride. Around. Yeah. yeah. And and w- so this is 86, you said, or 96? 86. 86. Okay, so cool, cool, let cool. me put you in this like whole mindset. So like Bring me to normally- Australia. Well, I don't know anything about Australia, but normally (laughs) if you're, you know, walking down the side of the road and someone pulls over to ask you for a ride, you're like, no, you know, but now picture that it's a couple and there's like a really pretty, kind looking woman in the car. Do you immediately feel safer? Because I would. Oh, no, I completely agree. I probably wouldn't get in the car, but. No, but I would feel like they were being more genuine and concerned for my safety than I would if it was like a single younger male yeah. or an older male, especially. I think I've talked briefly about how I feel about older males asking me things. <laughs> um, just don't ask me things. Don't if talk to Claire. Don't talk to me. If you're 30 years or older, I just <laughs> look the other way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unless I know you and then you're fine. But yeah, Um I would definitely feel much more comfortable. I mean, like, you know, women tend to give off a very comforting vibe. That's just how we do it. So if there was a female in the car, I would instantly feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of their, like, MO, so to say, is, like, use Catherine to make the women feel like it's fine. So manipulative and crafty. I know. This actually is a really common theme in, like, all couple serial killers. This Mm -hmm. comes up, the conversation of, like, wow, I can see why... They were more comfortable because yes. there's a woman there, which is like so funny because like when you teach kids about like safety, you're like if a stranger's talking to you, like go find a like a mom or like a woman or yeah. something. But then it's like women can be murderers too. And I it's know, like, just it's such don't a weird trust thing. Anyone but yourself, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> call the police. More that's who you should call. <laughs> don't trust them either. Yeah. Honestly, honestly, just like. Fend for yourself. Live. Survival of the fittest. Yes. Darwin predicted it. I, no. yes. <laughs> just kidding. No, but like in most cases, <laughs> I would just say don't get into anyone's car, no matter who they are, if they're just driving around and saying, do you need a ride? Exactly. I would suggest just not doing that. Just turning them down politely, thanking them, whatever. Just make sure that you don't get in their car and then remember their license plate. It never ends well. No, it doesn't. It never when are does. when are we sitting here talking? Well, anything we're sitting here talking about is going to end in murder. But <laughs> yeah, so whatever we talk, whenever we talk into these microphones, it it's will never murder. end well. No. There are a few instances, <laughs> but most of the time it ends in death. So there you go. It's interesting. Okay, so <laughs> they're doing this whole thing, and then whenever they find a suitable target, they get her to get in their car, and then this is like the effed up part mm-hmm. of this is that they have like this code word because so imagine you're a couple and you're going to rape 
women, the woman in that the woman in that couple is probably going to have some jealousy attached to that situation. So David, this is this is where it gets all gross and weird. So, okay, because sorry, I was making such a bad face at you. I know I prefaced it <laughs> like, like oh I don't know how much more I can preface it. It's <laughs> gross. Okay, so David essentially gave Catherine the reins in this situation, so she would pick after the woman is in their car for a couple of minutes. She would decide whether they would take her home or not. Okay, and their code word was Catherine would say, "I've got the munchies." If she wanted to take this victim home, and if she didn't, she just wouldn't say it. And eventually, after not saying it for a while, they would, like, actually take the woman to wherever they told her her that they were going to take them to, you know? Right. So they'd pick up people. He would let her tell him if she didn't want to bring the woman back. Exactly. Okay. So they do this to four women— Mary Frances Nielsen, who's 22, Susanna Candy, who's 15, Nolene Patterson, who's 31, and Denise Karen Brown, who's 21. And all four of these women have, like, very detailed stories about this. But, again, I don't want to tell it all. It's just it's just such a bummer. So <laughs> they were all raped repeatedly by both Catherine and David. They would take turns raping them and torturing them. Mm-hmm. And then they would either strangle or stab them. And then they would bury them. So on their property? No, they live in like a like a suburb. So they would like okay. go bury them somewhere. Um so Okay, so they would all. Sorry, I don't mean to like dig into the details. Yeah, you're I know, asking me too many questions. I'm I told so, you I didn't want to talk about it. So sorry, but like <laughs> this would happen in their house. Yes, in the suburbs, and then they would bury them somewhere else. Okay, cool. Yeah, and they're called the Moore House Murders because it all happened in their like suburban house. Oh, it's actually a really so, cute house, and that makes it more creepy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So gotcha. all four of them experienced like a day or two being held hostage and like toying with them, like making them do whatever they wanted them to do and just repeated rape. It's just, it's just so disgusting. Yes. Like I, it, it's just not interesting to talk about because it's so Gross. disturbing. Yeah. Right. So they live at three Morehouse Street, by the way, in either Willoughby or Willoughby, I don't know how to pronounce it, which is a suburb of Perth. If you're in Australia, I don't know why you'd be listening to this, but you know. <laughs> okay, so there are actually two disappearances that also happened in 1986 in Australia of Cheryl Renwick and Barbara Western, who um, the Bernie couple has been connected to them also, but they're not confirmed victims. So it's just mm-hmm. those four women who this literally happens in like four weeks so oh that's really quick okay okay interesting cool part of the story okay so on november 9th well actually it's gonna be a bummer again for a minute but then it'll get cool okay Uh, on november 9th 1986 the victim they pick up is 17 year old kate moore or moyer i think it's moyer and weird if it was more. <laughs> that would be weird. Ironic and twist. She was just like out with her friends that night drinking and she was walking home and she was actually almost home when they like offered to give her a ride. But she's like drunk and like, yeah, I'll take a ride even though it's not that far. So she gets in the car. Catherine says, I've got the munchies. <laughs> Oh boy, you know. So <laughs> I do, I know. <laughs> they actually drive Kate all the way to Kate's house. Like they are about to get to her house. Yeah, they like get to her house. They're just 
they're just toying with her. They're just like really amused with like torturing people. So they get to Kate's house and Kate goes to open the door and there's not a handle on the inside of the door. Oh, God. So she can't. And then they're like, oh, well, you got to do it. Like, you know, you got to like put your hands like they're explaining it to her mm-hmm. as if she's going to get out of this car. Yeah. Which she can't because they've taken the door handles off the interior of the car. And out of nowhere, David takes a knife out of somewhere that he had it hid and like holds it up to Kate's throat. And now she's like, oh, darn. OK, <laughs> I'm in the that car. That was her exact reaction. Oh, darn. Yeah, she said that to them. And they were like, <laughs> you're right. Oh, darn. <laughs> this was definitely PG with a knife up to her throat. No, it's not. Here's a very un-PG throat. Um, un-PG. <laughs> An un-PG throat. <laughs> I, I looked at my computer and it said throat. Um, here's a very un-PG quote that is a total bummer. So she straight up says, are you going to rape me or are you going to kill me? And they tell her, we'll only rape you if you're good. Oh, God. So they take her back to their house, their creepy murder, gross house, and they make her dance to the song by Dire Straits, Romeo and Juliet. They make her dance to that song. And she, like, in front of them, they're just like, dance for us. Like, they're just being assholes. And they make make her sit with them and watch a movie. They watch Rambo. And then they chain her to the bed and take turns raping her. And she even says that while David was raping her, that Catherine was taking notes. And oh, then Catherine God. would rape her. So do you see how just like this awful is just this terrible. is? Terrible. Yes. Yeah. So this is why I was like, I don't need to do three episodes of this. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, okay, interesting part. She thinks to herself, I had a 200% chance of dying and a 5% chance of getting away. She thinks that to herself in the moment. She's like, I am screwed. Right. And so after they like take turns raping her multiple times, they give her sleeping pills and try to get her to go to sleep. And she's like, a hell no, I'm not taking sleeping pills in this house. I'm going to wake up. I'm not going to wake up. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be murdered while I'm asleep. Uh And who knows what they're going to do to me while I'm sleeping. So she hides the pills under her tongue. And then when they like leave her alone, she hides them in the mattress. So also this whole time she's thinking to herself, this is so crazy and outlandish that when I tell the police and the off chance that I get away from this, no one will believe me. So I have to like, I need to plant some evidence so that I can tell people oh, well, I hid the sleeping pills under the mattress, you know? Right, yeah, and they'd be covered in her saliva. Not that that would really matter much No, but for she... DNA testing. But still, it's like something palpable that she can say, if you lift up the right corner of the mattress, there will be three sleeping pills underneath. Yes, and she does this, like, to a bunch of different things because they're, like, she's in there for hours, like, almost a full day because they pick her up at night. Mm-hmm. And she's there, like, the whole night that they're messing with her. And then, so she does this with multiple different things. And I'll tell you about the different ones later. But, so, okay. David goes to work the next morning. And then she thinks to herself that her chances just went to 50-50 because now all she has to do is get Catherine on her side. And she, and you know... Assumes that Catherine is going to be easier to break down, which I don't know. Probably accurate. I mean, again, 
womanly instincts. It's just, it's a weird concept, but it's like, right. I don't know. I just wouldn't second guess someone who just like raped me and that's you also know, kidnapped true. me and was complicit in all of this <laughs> and is probably now jealous of me because the husband. Like the husband, her husband was just yeah. having sex with her. Well, not that that's not sex. That's rape. That's rape. But yes. anyways, I but think that in their I, eyes, it's sex. I would think that Catherine would be harder to get to do what I wanted. But she recognizes that she thinks she can like get Catherine to like be on her side a little bit or at least like right. let her guard down a little bit. Sure. More so than she could probably do with David. So right. that at least she has some leeway. Because actually one of the other victims, um, had the same similar thought that I had that like David would be easier to get to. And she starts like trying to seduce David and like make him fall in love with her. And that pisses Catherine off. And Catherine murders the heck out of her. Like more so than the other people. Like she more aggressive and mm -hmm. more violent. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyways, she starts kind of like talking to Catherine and she gets Catherine to kind of be, she doesn't necessarily drop her guard, but she like, kind of chills a little bit Mm -hmm. and then so they're in a bedroom and Catherine's doing God knows what to her and someone knocks on the door and Catherine leaves Kate in the bedroom and forgets to chain her up so Kate's like I've got to get out of here right now this is probably my only chance so she finds a room with a window in it breaks the lock they're like all the windows are locked she like breaks it it's probably making a super loud noise that Catherine's hearing and she throws herself out of the window she's only wearing like leggings and a tank top she doesn't have any shoes on she like falls out of this window (laughs) and then she runs to the very first house across the street no one's home because it's the middle of the day and people are at work people have lives so she does this to three different homes no one is home oh my god a dog attacks her somewhere in the middle of all of this like she's just in this whole time she's like Catherine's probably like right on my tail but she's not and she gets to a business and she runs inside of it and she's like I've been raped. Help me call the police. So she also anticipated that Catherine would be like, you know, following her and is mm-hmm. like ha- thinking of some plan to like convince someone yes. out of believing helping Kate. Yeah. Uh-huh. So she says preemptively, if a woman comes here and says I've had a fight with her and that I'm her daughter, don't believe her. So she thinks to herself, like what Catherine will do. Yeah. And like, you know, like gets ahead of it and is like, don't believe her if she says that, which is so smart because that's, I mean, going back to like Kitty Genevieve and the whole, everyone thought that it was just a lover's quarrel and no one helped her. Yes, you exactly. Know, you, you gotta, you I gotta love that she was proactive yeah. about this. Mm-hmm. And thought about it. That's a really clever way to do it. And it's very good because she was under so much pressure. So that just showcases her intelligence and her strength in this situation. Yeah. So I admire her for that. Me too. She's so cool. Isn't this cool? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Keep telling me okay, more. I, I want to know what happens. So I was about to go from cool to infuriating, but then back, back to cool. Okay. Okay. So the guy drives her to the police department. She gets there. They don't believe her. Of course they don't. Because they haven't realized that there's like a serial killer couple in their town yet. Right. And they're assholes. So... They assign, they're like, go over here and give your statement to this lady. And this lady is Constable Laura Hancock. And she's on her first day on the job, rookie (laughs) cop. And they are like, multiple rape, almost murder victim. Go talk to our brand new cop. 
Because we just, you know. Because she's a woman. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't even know if it's because she was a woman or if it's that they were like, we don't have time for you. You're lying to us. We're going to like hand you right, off, hand to, you the off to the rookie. the rookie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make them deal with it. Yeah. So she does. And, but remember that Kate anticipated this happening and she hit all those little clues. Yes. And what do you call those? Um, It's almost like a breadcrumb trail. Yeah. That's in a way. I'm thinking of something, but I, I can't remember but yeah breadcrumb chill so she does that and she's like telling um this cop like all about these things she tells her that her rapist was wearing a mustard colored robe which is like a really specific color i feel Mm -hmm. like yeah it's kind of an odd color yeah she tells them that he made her watch rambo and that it's probably still in the vcr in their house she says that they used pseudonames but that she saw their names on pill bottles and tells them it's david and Catherine bernie they look those names up or this cop does and this guy has like a super long record so they're like She's like, okay, I'm starting to believe you. Mm-hmm. And well, no, she believes her from the front. Sure. Yeah. But she's like, okay, I'm starting to get something that I can go tell my superiors about. And um, Const, what's her name again? Constable. Yeah. She goes to her superiors like multiple times and is like, you know what? I think she's telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And they kept, they keep going like, no, go get more information. And Kate has it. Kate has like 20,000 yeah, like, things to tell Let them. me give you my list. She says that she hid a lipstick in the couch, which is like so smart. Oh, my God. And that she wrote her phone number on a piece of paper because she, when she's like being held hostage, she convinces them to give her pen and paper to write goodbye notes to her family. Oh, my God. And she wrote her phone number on it and hid it somewhere. Like, that's so she's clever. She's so cool. I oh, just, my God. I can't get over it. And then she tells them about the pills that she hid in the mattress. Mm-hmm. So once they, like, she, Constable gets all this information and the fact that David has this super long track record, they're like, okay, we'll go check it out. So they do find all of the the breadcrumbs that mm-hmm. were, were left for them, arrest David and Catherine on November 10th. So the day she was gets in their car on the night of November 9th. And then they're arrested later in the day on November 10th. Oh, my God. That's so quick. I know. this Because she was like, this is who they are. This yes. is their address. Yes. This it's is like, all the clues You I want the you. information? I got it. Yeah. Like, go get them. Resourceful. I enjoy that. So they were both, you know, like, have a trial and are sentenced to four consecutive life sentences for the abductions, rapes, and murders of the four women and the attempted murder and the multiple rapes of Kate. And... So, yeah. So, <laughs> so David committed suicide by hanging himself in his cell in on October seventh, two thousand five, which is sad. And then Catherine, she is actually going to be up for parole here pretty soon. But the new attorney general in Perth said, "quote I can't imagine the circumstances that I would grant Catherine Bernie parole." But I don't blame him for that, though. No, but there's something super interesting that's kind of come out of this activism-wise is there is, like, some messed up parole legislation in Australia. So they mm-hmm. put people up for parole every three years and not even by request. So, like, Catherine isn't necessarily, like, give me parole, but they're putting her up for a parole hearing every three years. And so there's actually a petition right now that kind of came out after Kate like was really vocal about her experience recently and there's a petition to get the parole legislation in Australia or in Perth at least 
revisited. So I don't know if this is the same in Australia, but here at least, I know this because I worked as a victim advocate intern over last summer, that by law, we have to inform victims when their rapist or attempted murderer or burglar or whatever it is, is up for parole. So imagine that happening to you every three years. Like, how are you moving on? Yeah, you don't. That's, I mean, like, because, and obviously, like you said, we don't know if victims are properly informed every single time that person is up for parole. But considering that there's advocacy to end that legislation, I would assume that they are. Yeah, because I and think- And that suck, yeah, to be reminded all the time. Every just like you three said. years, like, how you're just probably, like, constantly in fear because, mm-hmm. like, I know that I feel it. Like, I feel like you probably eventually get over that and you're like, oh, great. I have 20 more years Mm -hmm. before I need to be afraid again. Right. You know, but for them, it's every three years. And And the possibility of them being released back out into the world on parole. Right. And I'm not saying I'm against parole at all. I'm very pro parole. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that some killers, whatever, some, you know, criminals in general, not necessarily killers, but people can be really productive in prison. They can get a lot of stuff done and be in a situation where they're like, I should get out of prison because I've done X, Y, and Z and I'm going to do X, Y, and Z when I'm out. Mm -hmm. Like, let me out. (laughs) And like, sometimes I think that it's very warranted, but in Catherine Bernie's case, I don't know, but the issue is the three-year thing. So Mm -hmm. there's actually a petition that you can sign. If I don't, I don't think we can sign it because we're we're not Australian, but if you're if you're Lauren, you can sign it. <laughs> yeah, Lauren, you can sign it. So, yeah, so that's the Morehouse murders, but more specifically, that's the escape of Kate Moyer from Catherine and David Bernie, and she's just so cool. Yes, what a, like, I'm actually glad that we just talked about her because- I know, because that's the that only just, part like, I wanted to talk about. Yes, it's so <laughs> elating, and it, it like, it gives light to a very dark situation, Um but yeah, well told. I enjoyed Sorry that. Sorry I'm speaking so quickly. I'm very caffeinated right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally okay. Fun fact to end on. <laughs> As of December 28th, uh, 2018, so just a couple months ago, the Moore House is up for rent. <laughs> um, so I think we're going to be taking a trip to Australia. Renting it. And renting it for a night you just know. to see if there's ghosts in there. Well, and then we'll go to Russia, and we'll go and stay in Daria's house. Okay, so we're doing so a we'll tour, do those two. a world tour of all of the places we've covered that are creepy. Yes, yes. Okay. And we'll also do the other case that we're going to talk about this season. There's a place we could stay. Sweet. For one of my cases. I'm into it. So... <laughs> That'll be for later. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it's Claire's turn now. I just had to take one more episode since Selena was so short, but mm-hmm. I think it was a good opportunity because I've been wanting to do this for a while, but I was like, no one wants to hear about women getting raped and tortured for like no. three episodes. Yeah. And I will be made to hear it. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. required. <laughs> so I'm glad that we did this. This was great. I, yes. But again, Kate, I want to express that I think the other women's stories are very, very important mm-hmm. just for an entertainment based podcast. Not super fun to talk about. No, absolutely not. So thanks for We're listening. listening.